Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, do me a favor. If you get value out of the show, which obviously you do if you're here, go to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. More reviews equals more guests, which equals more impact. And actually, here's the thing. Here's the way I like to think about it. The review is actually not for me. It's for our incredible everyday innovators that actually are willing to pull back the curtain and share their experience and their wisdom with us. And if you've been with us for a while, you know, we made the decision to stop interviewing the quote unquote experts with their big books and their like big platforms, but actually interview everyday innovators who are out there actually doing it every single day and making an impact in their world. So to me, your review is actually like a thumbs up for them. So go do that when you're done listening to this one, which is going to be incredible. Let me tell you the everyday innovator style of our guest, Jenny. So instinctual inquisitive. So the instinctual side is all about connecting dots in new and meaningful ways. So if you're instinctual out there, the cool thing about you, like Jenny, is that while most of us get stuck in data land, like we get stuck in the facts, people who are instinctual can see how things connect and pull out the patterns and the insights out of those facts, out of that information. Because of that, they tend to see how things come together in a way that maybe some of us miss. And then the inquisitive side is all about digging and challenging assumptions and asking questions. For inquisitives, innovation is in the question, not the answers. I always know them when I meet them because they have like 10 questions for me out of the gate. But it's great because that's them actually innovating. So they tend to, well, most of us are playing on the surface. If you're inquisitive, you tend to dig a little bit deeper, but find those hidden gems of innovation that the rest of us miss. So the magic in that combination of instinctual inquisitive is that Jenny and those of you out there have this bring connective deep innovation to the table. So listen for it in the interview. With that said, Jenny, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thank you so much, Tamara, for having me and for educating me on these aspects of me that I didn't even know. (laughs) Wouldn't have named. So thank you. So my name is Jenny Glick. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm a certified sex therapist and I'm a relationship mentor and guide for women to come back into deep relationship with their own desire. Because desire, when we have a relationship and we can trust our desire, it actually helps us create a life full of innovation, full of interest and full of love, connection, whatever it is that we want. So I want to ask you a question about this. I wasn't expecting to go there, but you said something that kind of made me made me perk up a little bit. Why do you think we are disconnected from desire or what causes that disconnection? Yeah. So I think the answer is different for everyone. I think specifically for women, we're often taught that our desire is dangerous, that we want too much, that you don't get to just have everything you want, right? That um, wanting can create troubles for other people, especially as mothers sometimes or partners. We learn to mute our wants, to silence them and put everybody else's wanting in front of our own. Um, And our wanting is often where creativity lives. 
our entrepreneurial spirit, um, our drive, you know, sexually, um, in forms of relationships, all kinds of ways. And so desire, I think, is seen kind of culturally, at least in the United States, as something that's dangerous to be in relationship with and kind of selfish to get what you want, right, um, in some ways. So there is a big disconnection there. It's so interesting to me that what you just said about desire is seen as selfish. But when I look at the people that I admire out in the world that I go, oh, I wish I could be a little bit more like them. They're the people who went after what they wanted, like after their desire. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, we've had, I've had kind of an interesting life the last few years, leaving the United States and moving to Mexico and doing, and then coming back um, just in the last year. And um, people have said to me, you know, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. And I'm not lucky I followed my desire. So when I sold my counseling business four years ago, I was following that desire that said, I want to do this differently. There's another way to do this. And I agree with you 100%. The people who I admire and I see their lives, they're following their very unique blueprint of their own desire. So, um, I have, oh my God, I have so many questions for you, Jenny. So let me, let me start with this one. I think that a, a lot of the people that I meet aren't sure what they desire. So they know they want to desire even or have a desire for something bigger than what they're doing, but they don't even know what that is. How do you help somebody? Like, What advice do you have for someone who's in that place of like, I know I want more, but I'm not even sure what more is because I've been so conditioned for what I'm doing today. Yeah, such a great question. And that conditioning is key, right? So we have to become awake to our conditioning and one of the ways to decouple from our conditioning is to come back into relationship with our body. So it's why it is people say meditate, get into nature. It's That's an opportunity to decouple from the conditioning of the noise of, um, well, I shouldn't want that or I can't do that or I can't make that much money or whatever. I can't move to Mexico and pull my kid out of high school, whatever. And most people don't invest that time in themselves to be in quiet, right? We're always listening to a podcast or audible book or whatever it might be. Love podcasts. <laughs> Shout out to podcasts. But no, I'm, I'm totally with you. Right. To, to commit to that time to really come into relationship with their own heart, which I know sounds a little bit woo-woo, but that is where our creativity lies and where we will come into relationship with our own desire is by having that time um, outside of the conditioning, the programming that's external from us. So I have to tell you a few things. One is um, I just had someone on who was talking about how we actually need to be bored and not bored in the bad sense, but bored in the sense of like cutting out all the stimulus and just sitting and being and how that's a gateway to creativity. And so I started doing this thing. So I have to, my boyfriend lives a little bit far, far away from me. And normally when I take these five hour drives, I listen to podcasts. I've got audiobooks. I've got music, right? I'm bouncing between the three depending on my mood. So lately, I started at least spending one hour of that in silence in my car. Jenny, I've never felt so awkward in my life. Like I, you would have thought, I mean, I just, I was like, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. But once I settled in, I started just like the mind just started imagining and wandering and all these really interesting thoughts came up and I had a whole conversation with myself. It was just so fascinating what happened when I cut out the stimulus. But that first moment in that hour, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's why we don't. We don't know how to be with ourselves anymore. And, you know, I don't know if you've heard about these retreats that you can go on that are five, seven days 
where there's no stimulation. So you're, it's a dark room. Where it's, right, right. Or horrifying, depending on who you are. So there's nothing. So you're in a dark black room for five days and you're just with yourself. And I think, you know, that's an extreme, but to have a chunk of time, your whether it's your drive to and from work or picking up your kids or taking the walk, a walk with your dog, where you're not listening to something and you're really keying into what's happening in my body, what are my feelings independent of the stories in my head, right? Mm, I love that. So tell me, what's a recent win or something that you're proud of? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of is my uh, willingness to innovate in my business and to really listen to the instinct that I have to serve the women who I serve and shift my offerings based on what I see that's kind of happening in the field, right? And so when I started my online business, I was working with women who are kind of in that do I stay or do I, I go situation. And I created this program um, where women could come in and really embody and integrate all the things that we've learned, right? So many of us go to therapy, we go to retreats, we learn all this stuff, but then we come into our relationship or business or whatever, and it's all checked at the door. We don't know actually how to be that change in our relationship because our partner's still being our partner. Our kid is still being our kid. The client is still being the client. So we continue to show up in those old patterns. And so over the last four years, as, as I've changed what it is that I offer, I'm very in tune with my client base. And so I'm shifting and responding to where it is that they are. And now I work with a much more sophisticated client than maybe I did four years ago. And um, we're really taking a deep dive into this uh, notion of self-trust and staying deeply connected to desire. How do you pull out the needs and the wants of your clients? And I, for those of you listening, I want you to think about it. If you're inside a company, that also rings true for your leadership, your team, right? If, or if you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner, right? It's like Jenny said, it's your clients. But, but I'm curious because I find that oftentimes we get so stuck in the weeds that we miss what our customers and our clients are actually telling us they need. So how do you do that? How do you stay open and kind of really hear that feedback? Um, I often say I hold my certainty lightly, right? Which I think is um, as we age or become more wise. If I step into a, a conversation with a client or someone who I'm being of service of, and I feel like I already know 100%, there's no space or room to receive the nonverbals that they're giving me when they feel bored or they're looking away, you know, on a Zoom situation, whatever it might be. And so really having space where I'm available for that fresh um, information that I might be getting. Because if, I, if I'm if i 100% all about me, um, there's no room for them. There's no room for them. Do you think with that comes a little bit of, mm, for lack of a better way to say it, confidence of knowing that like, hey, it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay for there to be some resistance here. It's okay for there to be some challenges versus kind of wanting to go in and do the show and dance and make you know everything perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if if I ever show up thinking that I know everything, I don't think I should be of service anymore because it means that I'm not growing, right? I'm not willing to be available for growth, which means that I'm open to something new, right? So yeah, it does require some humility. I love that. Hold the certainty lightly. I love that. I'm going to start thinking about that because I can't, in all, right, full transparency. Sometimes I walk, you know, you walk into a situation, you're like, I got this. And I feel like those are the ones that don't go as well. 
Right. Absolutely. Because when I'm certain, what often happens is I'm making somebody else wrong. And as soon as I make wrong, even in my head, right, my energy is going to be very different because I'm not available. It's one of the questions, you know, I use often with my clients. What are you available for? And if I'm not available for connection, for um, to, to be wrong in something, then there's not going to be sort of that receptor open in those conversations. I love that question. I hope all of us take some time after this episode. We're really to do two things already. One is, is to sit in silence in some way, whether that's in your car, in your home or work or whatever it is. And two is to actually ask yourself, what am I available for? What a, what a great question to just mind map off of for a minute. Like, I bet you hear some amazing things out of that. Oh my gosh. And most people, they're not available for the other person, the client, the person they're serving, their colleague. So it's really typical when we step into a conversation, whether it's with a spouse or a colleague or a client that you are going to serve, that we show up with our package, our thing that we're going to deliver, and we're not available for a kind of connection. We're not available for them. And so just having that little bit of shift and intention, an intentional shift that I'm available for a connection to learn something new, to receive them really makes a huge difference. So I think this applies to everything in life, but I also really see this when it comes to being an innovator and kind of pushing new ideas forward. I think too, if we're not available, we're pushing our brilliance onto other people, at least that's how we see it or do it. And we're trying to show them how we're right or our ideas are right or what we think our opinions are right. And what I also hear you saying in that is being open to different rights, you know, that there's other perspectives and opinions. So I'm available for, for that connection. But for that connection to happen, I have to say, hey, you, Jenny, have a perspective that's right as well. Or maybe it's not right or wrong, but that's good as well as mine. Yes. Yes, 100%. And sometimes the visual that I give, because I love metaphors, because I think visually, is if you and I are both tomorrow climbing a mountain, and if you're on one side and I'm on the other side, you have a lot of certainty about your path and what you see, and so do I. But we're going to see very different things because we have different perspectives and one is not more right than the other. They're just really different. And so creating space for that is really important. And the other piece is if I show up feeling like I need to be right, the other person feels it and they're going to shut down. Right. So I I love, love what you're saying, because I think right now, particularly um, in the world, definitely in the U S we're in this place where it's like, everybody's right or wrong. Everybody's right or wrong. And I've, find it really interesting how hard it is for people to recognize that other people may be right in their different opinions. What advice do you give people um, to, to help them open up to the idea that your right isn't the only right? Yeah. yeah, I find that that metaphor helps a lot because when we really consider that somebody else's path going up that mountain, they're going to see different things. They're going to have different terrain. Um, their perspective is going to be different if they're on the north side of the mountain versus the south side is hot. The north side is cold, right? There are so many ways that we can recognize. And one truth, I can't convince the person on the south side that it's cold because it's hot for them, period, right? And when we can really recognize that your experience isn't a threat to me, right? It, It actually requires, Tamara, a lot of emotional maturity to not feel threatened by somebody's difference. And in order to stay grounded in my truth and to be available for your truth is a radical notion, especially right now. Um, But I do think it's where we're being invited to step into right now. 
I just, I, I think if we all just took, I, okay, I have so many things, Jenny, but let me just say this one thing before I have to move us on, which is, this is there's so much goodness here, which is, um, I think that what you just said really nails it, which is that idea that people think that a difference in perspective is a threat to them. And if we can just remove that feeling or that, that thought that, hey, Jenny is on the south side of the mountain and, and her perspective is a threat to me, if we could remove that, we would have such better connection and conversation and, and we'd be open to new ideas and new experiences. The creativity would flow, but also we would just, we'd be so much more connected as, I don't know, this goes so far beyond work. It's just like everything, I think. So I love that. I want us all to think about when we like really fight somebody else's opinion, are we really feeling threatened because it's different? You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. So let, let me ask you this. What's this? Share a story or a time with us of some, a place where you thought differently or kind of drove some innovation in your work and life. Oh my gosh. So in 2018, I was feeling burned out as a therapist. I owned a counseling business in Denver, Colorado. And I was sitting doing the typical thing that therapists do, sitting one hour after one hour. And my clients were coming in saying, I feel like I'm the only one that's experiencing this. And then I had client number two saying the same thing, client number three. And I'm delivering 80, 90% of the same information, having the same conversation day after day. And I was like, this is bananas, right? So I created this online program where I created modules for the 90% that I say to clients 
And my colleagues thought I was crazy. You can't do this online. So this was 2018. You can't do therapy online. You can't do Zoom, use Zoom for all these things, right? And I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did. And it was amazing. So I ended up selling my counseling business and have supported my family and made way more money than I ever made, you know, before and have had a, a huge impact um, on the women who I've served. And when 2020 hit, I was already online. I was already doing it. I was like, you people are slow. So that was a big, a, a big thing for me to do. Hey, I just want to say congratulations, because I think it's important to recognize in your story that you made that switch before you were forced to make that switch. Um, yeah. And, but that requires a lot of innovative thinking of saying, hey, I want not, not just, Hey, where's the industry headed? And funny. Cause now like there's all these online therapy, like things all over the place. Right. But Hey, not only was where the industry headed, but what tools are out there that I can use to do it in the way that I want to do it. And at that time, zoom was this little known thing that some of us used for meetings and communication, but it wasn't done in the way that you're talking about. So I hope people hear that in the story and, and kudos to you because it takes a lot of courage, a lot of foresight to leap into an area that when everybody else is saying, no, no, that'll, that's, you can't do that. That doesn't work in our business. Totally. And, and a lot of pushback, you know, it's dangerous, all these things back then that was, were the beliefs. And of course, what I've seen is not only has it worked, it's worked a hundred times better than I ever thought that it would. The results in most women have said to me, I, in eight weeks, got the results that took me 10 years before. Um, and so that's thrilling, right? Why do you think that is? Well, because when most people go to therapy one hour a week, you go, you have this amazing hour, you feel seen and heard and it's great. And then you leave it and you get in your car and you drive home and you do the exact same old things that you've been doing your whole life. With me and these eight, 12 week programs I do, it's every day. It's every single day. You're embodying it. You're thinking about it. I Now I use Telegram and I'm on all these different Voxer, whatever. And so I'm really in there with you. And so you're getting everyday training to embody and integrate what you're learning. So it's night and day. It's a whole different thing. I love it. It's, it's so good. So I'm going to flip it for a second, ask you what challenge have you faced and how have you overcome it? Um, whew, what challenge did I face? I think uh, my biggest challenge is I want things in the 3D world to move much faster than they do. So I have an idea. And I'm like, I want it to, to close that gap in three days. And because of some things in the material world of tech and, you know, creating a new website, whatever, it just takes longer. And that drives me back to my practice of stillness and meditation and prayer and, you know, nature, because I think I, I think and see so quickly that it's a challenge not to realize it as quickly as I see it. Right. And so internally, I can experience a little bit of a struggle. You know, it's interesting. I um, instinctuals tend to do that because you move so you're very gut driven, right? You move so quickly with all these connections that the rest of us don't see, but then the rest of us have to catch up, which can be very frustrating, right? For instinctuals. Um, but but here, here's the other thing I found. I just I, I come from it from a slightly different perspective, but similar output, which is so I'm a risk taker experiential. So I'm all about leaping and inaction. So the minute I have an idea, I have to put it into motion because that's how I think. And also I want things to move very quickly. So like, it really bothers me that I have to wait two hours for something. You know, I'm like, what do you mean I have to wait two hours? I don't, I, I said now, I said right now. This, in fact, I thought it. So it should be in existence in the world. Um, however, that frustration 
then coupled with the stillness that I have to take because I have no choice because I can't always move as quickly as I want has actually turned out to work in my favor. And what I mean by that is sometimes people like me, and I'm curious if this is the same for you, I move so quickly that I sometimes miss things that if I just took a moment to pause and reflect, I would catch or make the idea or the, what I'm trying to do even richer and stronger. So I used to fight that stillness and not want that pause to happen. And now I don't necessarily like a long delay. I still get frustrated, but I embrace it a little bit more and it actually has worked to my favor. So I'm just curious if you experience that same type of push pull that ends up working for you. 100%. And my, uh, Achilles heel as an entrepreneur is definitely that I want to blow past things so quickly that I write so fast that I can lose some richness on the journey. And so I have been learning a lot about slowing down to kind of um, grasp that interesting texture along the way and allow that to infuse whatever I'm creating to make it that much more interesting. I like how you said about texture. Like, I think you're right. I think sometimes when, so there's analysis paralysis and moving too slow and losing momentum, right. And getting stuck on one side. And on the other side is moving so quickly, you miss the texture and the richness. So what a great realization, whether on throughout their listening, whichever everyday innovator style you are, whatever side of that coin you're on, that there's something in the middle is probably the best place to be. So what does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? Mm. Um, it means to of course, uh, live connected to my gut and my heart, right? Which I didn't know this exactly about me until I took your, you know, test. So that's so great, that quiz. And, uh, and it's being willing to be nimble and to change courses and to not be attached to what it is that I'm doing. So just because I did something for two years doesn't mean I'm going to be doing it the next two years and being nimble in that pivot. How do you think about... Uh being nimble. And part of the reason I'm asking is I just had a conversation with someone and she was talking about how she's changed her goals. And some people then see her as a quitter because, you know, you shouldn't change your goals. You should change your actions, what people say. But, but there's a part of being nimble that requires you to even change what you're going towards. How, how do you think about, or how do you embody being nimble in, in your work in life so that you kind of balance that out a little bit? Yeah. I think that's where it's primary for me to have what I think of as a sacred relationship with yourself. That's that deep connection with who it is that I am, the iteration of me now, which is different than a year ago, right? So maybe a year ago, I signed up to do some online school or something, and now I'm a different person. And uh, I find great value in having mentors and teachers and guides around me who can reflect to me my patterns. Is this that I'm quitting because I quit everything? Or is this that I'm following? Evolving. Yeah, I'm evolving. And I'm also learning how to set a boundary. Like, oh, actually, there's in, in my world, it's very healthy to recognize this isn't a good fit for who I am now. So I'm going to pivot and shift. It's interesting to think about the difference between being nimble and being a quitter. And I don't know that I really, until you, I think it's really powerful, Jenny, what you just said, because I don't know that I've ever really thought about that as almost on opposite ends of the same spectrum of, you know, do you, do you quit too soon or are you really being nimble and moving forward, but adapting as you go? Cause that's the world that we're in. Um, and what an interesting thing for a lot of us to think about in the things that we pursue in our work and life of, Hey, maybe, maybe I'm not a quitter. 
even though I think I am, maybe what I'm really doing is being, or maybe I need to give myself room to be nimble so that I don't kind of stall myself out. Absolutely. And I think I, I saw this so often as a marriage therapist, the average couple takes seven years before they even come to marriage therapy. And they, so they've had the problem for seven years. They didn't want to quit. They didn't, you know, they wanted to feel like they did everything. And had they listened to that knowing for many people, they had, they knew a long time ago, this isn't a good fit anymore right now, which doesn't mean anybody's failed or anything's wrong. But to be able to honor that difference of path um, and make that nimble decision without the way that we can like self-flagellate with this, you know, abuse that there's something wrong with me, you know, all that external programming. Um, I think that's a big one. And I think it's a big one for um, people who who do follow that creative impulse. Right. Yeah. So interesting. So what as an uh, instinctual inquisitive, what's one piece? the advice you have for other everyday innovators out there who are looking to innovate, influence, make an impact in their world? Hmm. Uh, I would say grow that sacred relationship with yourself, which I know sounds super like new age and woo woo. But if you're not in connection with your own internal creative impulse, you can't share that with the world. And it is to me like the most important thing to create space for that through meditation, prayer, art, dance, movement, whatever it is for me every single day so I can nourish it so that when I have that um, that idea that comes forward, I'm like, oh, where's my notebook? Write that down, right? Because I'm creating space to nourish, to gestate um, that idea or that creative impulse. All right. So I want to run something by you. Here's my little moment of therapy that I get the world, world gets to hear it. I think what you're saying about getting in touch with yourself can be hard because we don't know where to start, right? We, we don't know what to do to do that. And I, so I just want to run this by you. And then I want to get your your advice for kind of everybody else out there. To, and maybe I'm on a totally different track with what I'm going to tell you here. And that's fine too. So uh, I would say about four months ago, I just felt like I wasn't what I would call connected to source energy, right? Like I was doing stuff and I, you know, I'm getting results, but I just like the inside, the fire was feeling like it was starting to dim a little bit. It's the best way to describe it. So I decided I was going to do the thing that make me feel alive, but also connected to that like feeling of abundance and joy and like receiving good things and just all of that. I just, I wanted all of that. And so I created five things that I do every day that are very simple and can take one to five minutes each. So they're not big, right? So one of them is meditation, which for me is like five minutes of breathing quietly. It's not, I don't have any kind of rituals, just sitting still for a minute. So that's one of them. Um, the second one is gratitude and praise and not just thinking like, I really appreciate that person or that person's killing over there, but actually telling that person. So I send a text or an email or something every single day to someone and really mean it to be like, Hey, I see you at the gym crushing it. I just want to say, I know you're working hard, like good for you. Or, Hey, Jenny, I'm really thankful that you're on the podcast. Like, thank you. Like whatever it is, right. Gratitude. Um, the third one is dance and song. Cause I just like, I need a good kitchen dance party every now and again, like just put on some Lizzo or Beyonce and let me sing away. Right. It's not like formal. It's not, it's usually when I'm cooking or when I'm cleaning, like nothing that's kind of right. Any, um, any big deal at all. And the one that always surprises people the most is screaming. So I just need to let out a good scream every day because <laughs> it just makes me feel better because I have a lot of rage apparently <laughs> inside of me. So I just, you know, just a little bit of a scream helps. 
So I do those things every single day and they're tiny and, oh, and they're three, six, nine manifestations. So I don't know if you've ever heard about the, you write your statement down three times in the morning, six times in the afternoon, nine times at night. It is apparently, and I say apparently because I can't prove any of this. Nikolai Tesla used to do this and three, six, nine is the numbers of the universe. It just keeps me connected to what I want in life. So I do those things every day and that helps me stay connected with me. And I guess I'm sharing that with you just because I want to get your advice for everybody else out there. Like, what do you do to stay connected with yourself? When I think for a lot of us, it's like if if we even knew we would do it or we don't know how to even, it took me a while to identify those things and I'm pretty in tune and it took me a while to figure out my little, my set. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are great things tomorrow for sure. And I would offer that uh, what prevents us from being connected to ourselves is living in the past or the future, which is what mostly we're thinking about. So I'm telling the old story of my ex-husband or that my kid just failed out of college, or I'm telling the story about how I'm worried that this client isn't going to purchase my, you know, um, product, whatever. And in those stories, I'm creating my reality again, right? So I'm like, and, and, and your reality, it's like a reality tube that's filled with emotions, beliefs, feelings, behaviors. And in that like old, sorry story about the past or that afraid, anxious story about the future, we're not actually connected to ourselves. So I would suggest to be really aware about the old story that you're telling again, you know, just like even how we introduce ourselves, you know, we're, t- we're often telling an old tire story tired story over and over again? What if you told an innovative story about this moment, who you are, right? And it allows it to be fresh. And so for your listeners, notice your words and the energy, because every word has an emotional state paired to it. And every time you're telling the old story that's heavy or the future story, you're you're reifying that emotional state in you again, right? And that makes it incredibly difficult to create change in your life because you're in that same old reality tube, right? The feeling state. Does that make sense? No, it makes so much sense. You made me realize two things. One is I think the reason those five work for me is they have nothing to do with the past or the future. They're just in the moment. They have nothing to do with anything else, right? It's just like when you're singing and dancing, you're not thinking about like what could go wrong. You're just having a good time. So that kind of nailed it for me. The other thing that you made me realize is, you know, everybody's an everyday in a We all do different styles. The science and the research proves it. And what often holds us back is exactly what you just said, which is we're stuck in the past or what the worry of what could happen in the future. So we don't allow that part of us out. We hold it back because we're we've got baggage that we're carrying forward, or we've got worries that we're pulling in that haven't even happened yet. So thank you for that. Because I'm not sure I connected of like we need to be more present to be more innovative. And not just in a whole sense of like, my phone needs to be down. I need to be talking to you and not looking at other stuff, but really like living in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And when you start recognizing that and recognizing the stories that you tell are spinning your future in an hour, right? By what you're saying, then your life becomes an innovation, quite literally, because it will be very different than it was an hour ago. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, I can't believe we're out of time. This is so good, Jenny. I've got one last personal question for you, which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? Well, 
your listeners might be surprised to learn that Tamara and I used to work out at CrossFit together yep. <laughs> years ago. All those years ago. The pull-ups and uh, do those 12-minute wads. And uh, it was a, a really good time at 5 a.m. <laughs> at the box. So, yeah, that might be something that you all don't know about our history together. It's so funny, Jenny, isn't it? We were talking about this a little bit offline earlier, but like 12, you know, you go in for 12 minutes, 18 minutes, eight minutes, like they're not long walks, but man, for those 12 minutes, nothing else exists. That's what I actually loved about it. It's like for those 12 minutes, all you cared about was what you had to do in that moment. And Jenny can do more pull-ups than the rest of us. I'm going to tell you that right now too. So that was my um, claim to I, you know, fame. <laughs> you, you were like, you were so, you are and were that so strong. Um, I, this part of what I love about my world, by the way, I just have to tell you, is I have over the years met people like kind of you, I had Denise Allman on, remember Denise, um, and a couple other people that have been peppered through my life through my CrossFit world. And it's like, it's really such a blessing because it brings such a diverse group of people together. And I just, I feel very thankful because then I have you in my life. I have all these incredible people who I've just followed over the years. And you and I haven't talked in years, but like I get to follow on Facebook and it's just so great. Like you just, you meet interesting people out there in the world. That's true. It's true. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a joy to reconnect with you and your audience here. It was so full of insights, Jenny. Thank you. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tamara will be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.